As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Well, I know everybody got extra hours of sleep, but I didn't get a chance to get to the gym. And so I want to do my normal workout that I do in front of you guys. I usually do it with this block, two or three of them. Why aren't you buying this right now? Hey, seriously, I used to work in the summer. I would actually, this is actually really heavy. I used to work in the summer for a construction company. It was literally a masonry outfit. And my job was to carry these blocks as labor. And I'll tell you, I got fine respect for all those that work construction. Can we give them a hand? The men and women, I'm telling you, my job was to mix the cement, and then I would take these bricks or these blocks, and this is 16 by 8, 38 pounds, and not just move one or move two, but 10 to 20 to 30, I mean, back and forth the whole day until the job was done. It was one of the most physically challenging jobs that I think I've ever had. But you know what? It was also the most rewarding. Because at the end of the job, you'd stand and you'd look and, and you actually created something. You played a small part in making something. I used to drive Jody, who was then my girlfriend, by the houses and I used to say, look what I made. Look what I built. And she wasn't buying it like she ain't buying it now. But the truth is, I played a small, and I would even say an insignificant role in doing what? In doing something physically to build a physical structure. Well, guess what? All of us play a much more specific and tangible role in building something, spiritually speaking, a spiritual house, the kingdom of God. And that's what I want to talk to you about. So if you have a Bible, open it up to Matthew chapter 25. Get it on your phone or on your device. I want you to, or if you've got a Bible, open it up. I want you to follow along today. This series is entitled Kingdom Builders. And we've been really excited to get this series to you. Last series, we talked all about the church, and it was seven messages to the church in Revelation. This series, it's about us as kingdom builders, specifically the message that God wants to give to us. All the messages, they're going to be from the words of Jesus, red letter version. Today's a parable. I want to talk to you about leveraging over the next several weeks through Thanksgiving, leveraging my time, my talents, my treasure and my testimony for God's glory and for God's good and for the building of his kingdom. See, come on, give it up. I can feel it. And and so what I want to do is, it's not that we're building a physical structure that we can necessarily always see and stand upon. We're not about building buildings or a structure, so to speak. We're building into people spiritually in their souls, in their spirit, that this is about what God's going to do and the kingdom that he is building through us. So that's where we're heading. Let me go ahead and begin reading from Matthew chapter 25. Jesus gives us a parable. And he says, then the kingdom of heaven in verse one will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. 
Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. And the bridegroom was delayed. They all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here's the bridegroom, come meet him. Then all the virgins rose, they trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wives, hey, come on, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, no, we can't. Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go go to the dealers, get your own, man. Come on, let's go. Doesn't really say that, but. Verse 10. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, truly, I say, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Father, I called out to you and ask you to give us, um, give us help in interpreting and understanding this. I remember reading this for the first time and having no clue of what you were really talking about. And I pray for maybe those who are here in the house, in the presence, or maybe those that are online watching. And if we've never heard this before, would you, would you give us understanding and revelation that we could apply this to our lives as we seek to become kingdom builders? And Lord, for others, there's may have taught this to other people and have taught this in other contexts and have firm grasp on what it's teaching. May you give us fresh revelation as we have a desire to do something that we couldn't do in ourselves that we can only do for you. If you agree with that prayer, simply say amen. Well, I want to give you the message in one sentence. So this parable in one sentence, I call it a silver bullet. Here it is. When I leverage my time as a kingdom builder, that's what we're talking about, the time that God gives you and allows for you, I do this. I prepare for people for eternity by pointing them to Jesus and by sharing biblical truth and remaining faithful to the call. That's the message. That's the whole of the teaching today. Let's take one piece at a time. First, I prepare people for eternity. Let's get into the parable. A parable, maybe you remember this if you grew up in the church, that a parable is oftentimes it was said, it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. How many people have heard that before? It's like, yeah, it's kinda. It's, that's a good thing, and we're probably even saying that on the third floor now, but the truth is it's much more. So Jesus did this. He used parables to communicate truth. And so he used it to reveal and to conceal, to reveal truth to those who were for him and to do it in a memorable way, like a story like this, and to conceal the truth to those who were against him because he needed more time. And so I'm praying that God will use this to reveal truth to us. So let's understand the elements of what he's saying. First, he talks about the kingdom of heaven is like 10 virgins. What's he mean? Well, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus uses that term 32 times in the gospel of Matthew. It says straight from his lips, the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of God is used over 50 times in the New Testament. So a lot of times we're talking about kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. It's the same thing. And that's what we're building. So we're not building a a house made of stone or of bricks or of mortar. We're building a spiritual house that's made of soul and of spirit. It's the kingdom of God. Why doesn't it say the church? Good question. 
Because the church, as we've studied, we studied the seven letters to the seven in churches in Revelation. The church is the vehicle that God uses to build the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus talks about most. And so who are these virgins? Man, we're getting kind of, if we're talking about virgins in church, well, where are we going here? Some versions say bridesmaids. I like this translation because it reminds us of something. It reminds us that virgins are, that's a picture of you and I. That we were created, don't miss this, to be pure and holy. To have one, be in one and in communion and relationship to God. We are the bridesmaids in the story. We were created to be holy and pure and one with God. But then Genesis chapter 3 Sin got into the picture. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And when sin came in, what? It broke that fellowship with God. That's why we need the bridegroom. And so the bridegroom, I put it all in caps. This is the appropriate time in Sunday school when anytime the Sunday school teacher asked a question, what was the answer? Jesus. And so the bridegroom is, you got it right, is Jesus. And Jesus is the bridegroom. He's coming back. It's a picture of a feast. And so we are the ones he's coming back for. But then we see that there were what? There were some that were foolish. They had their lamps and they took no oil, but there were some others who were wise and they had flasks of oil. So they not only had the lamp with the oil in it so that it could burn, but they had extra to, to keep them, to prepare them. So an important part of this is, what's the oil? Some would say the oil is the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know if I would press it that far, and it's true, the oil, oil is mentioned as ho- the Holy Spirit in other places in the Bible, but just think with me for a moment. In regards to the Holy Spirit, it's not like we run out of the Spirit, right? We don't run out of the Spirit. We, we don't run out of the Spirit. I mean, the Spirit doesn't, we don't need more of the Spirit. The Spirit needs more of us. So the Spirit, I think, or the oil in this picture, it's a picture of our readiness and preparedness for Christ, for his return, for the bridegroom. And that's evidenced by the presence of the Holy Spirit. So The lamp and the oil and the extra is the preparation that we've made in this life that we're ready for what's next, that we're ready to go and prepared for eternity. That's the picture that's happening here. Interestingly, when we talk about this story, though, what happened? Well, the bridegroom was delayed, and this kind of wedding versus ours, it's a little bit different in that They had this betrothal period, and so that was with the Jewish weddings, and what would happen oftentimes is the betrothal period would last almost up to a year, and that was the period where they had, the bride and the groom had actually made their vows, but then what they did, they didn't consummate the marriage, and so this is a picture of what's happening next. As you remember Mary and Joseph, Mary and Joseph, during the betrothal period, she was pregnant with child and from the Holy Spirit. That's why Joseph was so upset. And and here, though, in this picture, we see they're getting ready for the feast. So the groom is actually coming back for the bride, and he's going to take the bride and the bridesmaids, and they're to be ready. They're waiting for him, and the processional is going to go through the streets. And here's another difference with their wedding that 
that this was an evening um, reception and that they would start the party at the groom's house. And so that party would go on for a day or a couple days or even possibly a week. So the girls were waiting and what happened was this. Take a look at the screen. What happened to them? They, they fell asleep. And so just like we're waiting and, and oftentimes we fall asleep and get lured asleep, spiritually speaking, by the things of this world. But isn't it interesting that in the story, some of them, they thought they were ready and they weren't because they didn't have what they really needed. And the same can be true of us. So kingdom of God, that's what we're building. That's what we're building here on earth. Bridegroom, that's Jesus. Virgins, bridesmaids, that's us. Wedding feast, ceremony, that's our union with Christ and his return. Are we getting it? That's the picture. And so we want to help prepare people for eternity. Jody and I just got back from a vacation. We were gone for a week and we always like to get away in October because we like to celebrate our anniversary. So we celebrated on October 28th, 33 years of marriage. Isn't that awesome? So we're grateful for that. Thanks for the clap on that. But we really like to celebrate October 31st even more than October 28th. Why would you want to do that? Well, it's not because it's Halloween. It's because that's the day that we got our lamps, so to speak, the oil that prepared us for eternity. And so a year after we got married, we were in a pastor's office, and he described to us what we need to do to prepare ourselves for eternity, and we embraced the grace and forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so every October 31st, this past one, we've been followers of Christ for 32 years. That's what we're celebrating. And so we had to get ready and we had to get prepared. And so we've committed our lives back then. We were just, um, you know, we were in the business world. We were young. We didn't have any kids. And so we committed ourselves to helping prepare other people and helping their lights to burn for them to have the oil that they need for eternity. That's what it looks like to prepare people. How do we do it? Well, let's go back to our one sense. We got to point people up. We got to point people to Jesus. That's what we want to do. And that's what we see next in the story. So at midnight, there's a cry. Here's the bridegroom, capital letters. Jesus is here. Come out and let's meet him. And so what did they do? They all went out and, and they trimmed their lamps and they were there with him. And so the revelation that we're learning here is that the truth is this. Get ready for a big applause. Jesus is coming back. Is he not? I mean, he is coming back. And so don't miss the story. That's what he's trying to tell the people as he's sharing this story. I'm coming back. But while I'm gone, we have a job to do. It isn't about building bricks and mortar. It's about building the kingdom of God. It's about the soul and the spirit that, that we want to point people to Jesus. Revelation chapter 19 talks about Jesus coming back. It gives a picture and a description of who he is and what he looks like now. It's not painted in such a way where it's the strokes are of our own mind and what we think. He left as a suffering servant. He's coming back as a conquering king. Jesus is Lord of lords 
and say, he's, he's, he's the Lord of Lord. That's who Jesus is. He is our Lord and Savior. And so he will come back. Now, interestingly, keep your finger in Matthew chapter 25 for a moment. And let's teach a little theology. We talked about this in our last series. Flip over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So if you've got your Bible, if it's on your phone, get through the Gospels and get through Acts and get through Corinthians. Um, if you've gone past Revelation, you've gone too far. That's the only help I'm going to give you. But 1 Thessalonians 4 is a really important scripture, and I'm going to wait for you to get there. Because this is additional revelation that when Jesus told this story, the people he was talking to didn't even understand or comprehend the fullness of it. We know more than them, so to speak. The best description of the end times is what Jesus says in Matthew 24. It's a chronological account. But here Paul tells us that Jesus is coming back to reign and to rule, but this is what's going to happen first. Look with me at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm going to begin reading at verse 13. The apostle Paul, this is the word of God, he's telling him, he's answering some questions to the church. He says, but we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, here at High Point. That's really how we can take it. Hey, I want you to understand some things, guys, about those who are asleep. And so asleep is a picture of those who have moved on, those who have died, those who are in the next life, those who had their lamps, so to speak, lit, and now they're not here anymore. He says, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. So let's stop here for a moment. When someone dies in Christ, man, I mean, it's important for us to grieve. But we don't grieve without any hope because we know where they are. We have the hope. That's what Paul's talking about. And look at verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, do you believe that to be true? That's the truth of the gospel. That's how we do this. That's how we get our lamp lit, so to speak. That's how we are prepared for eternity. It's about Jesus' death and his resurrection. It says, even so, middle of verse 14, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So they had a question about what happens when you die as a Christian. And he's making it clear, well, they're with God. Look at verse 15. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, we who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. So the people were like, well, what happens? Are we going to meet Jesus before they do? Paul's like, no, we don't precede them. And he's talking, spiritually speaking, not in the bodily form yet. But in verse 16, he says, For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, at the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. That's the glorification of their bodies. Then we who are alive, we are left, we will be caught up together. There's the picture of the rapture with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Now look at verse 18. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Paul wrote this to be encouragement to us that what? That we have hope in eternity. Amen? That, that we're going to meet him, and it's hard to comprehend. But yes, Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back first to rescue the bride, his church. That's what the scripture is teaching. So that's why we've got to maximize our time to point people to Christ. Last weekend, if you were here, it was one of the best weekends that we've done at High Point Church I, that I can remember. Let's praise the Lord. I mean, it was awesome. And the reason I'm saying that is because we prepared 
1,500 across all of our locations, what we're calling care kits. And we put all kinds of necessary supplies and notes and letters of encouragement in there from our kids. And even we wrote notes to the inmates at Stateville Prison. Now let's praise the Lord. I mean, they're going to get over Thanksgiving, each of the inmates at Stateville is going to get a care kit that has basic supplies for them. And it's going to be a blessing to them at Thanksgiving. Why are we doing that? Because we care. Because we want to share the love of Christ. Because we ultimately want to point to the goodness of God and his glory. Some are saying, why Stateville? What's up with that prison? Well, if you don't realize it yet, we have actually have a church that's going to meet. They have a service. At, it actually starts at 1 o'clock. I'm looking at my watch, and it's like, well, it starts in five minutes. Oh, could I have remembered to change my watch? <laughs> I guess that's a problem. <laughs> but, but every Sunday at 1 o'clock, that, that we have a service there where the inmates gather and Pastor Rodney preaches God's word. And, and we want to share with the whole of the prison and we want to care for them. That's why we did these care kits. So I'm so proud of our church. I know, I thought we had some pictures if you guys want to put those up or maybe they already did, but, but did they already put the pictures up? And um, so it's, it's, just, it's just a really cool thing. Let's praise the Lord for his goodness and grace as you responded to that biblical truth. So we want to leverage our time we want to leverage our time to prepare people for eternity. People you know, people you love, people that you care for, people that God has sovereignly placed in your circle of influence. You have a greater opportunity and responsibility. Sometimes I think we just think about, oh, I want my life to be successful. That's not the greatest thing for your life. Don't hear me wrong. It's not about success. It's about significance. Success is about building into people with bricks and mortars and the things that, that aren't going to last. That's success significance is what's going to last for eternity. And so that's what we want to build into people. We want to point them to Jesus. We want to share biblical truth to help them comprehend the truths of God's word and the truths of what he did and what he wants to do in them. What kind of truth? Good question. Here's three truths in the text that are really related to preparing people for eternity. So the first one is this, as we look at these verses. Faith's not transferable. Do we recognize that? And I think we might be able to say it, but here you see it in the text. It wasn't that these ladies were like, hey, no, we're mean girls. You know, we got our own, you go get your own. I mean, th this wasn't it. It wasn't that they had an unwillingness to share and that they were mean-spirited women. And no, that wasn't it at all. They couldn't share. See, what they had was theirs. And just like I can't, make someone believe and push them over into the kingdom. My faith is my own and your faith is your own. You have to come to the conclusion of what you believe about God and his son Jesus on your own. Nobody can do that for you. That's what it's talking about. And that's why it says so clearly that, hey, the wise answered, hey, there's not going to be enough for us. And so you got to go and get your own. You've got to make your faith your own. I can't give you what I have. I can share some truths, but you got to come to the conclusion about who Jesus is and what he's done for yourself. Second truth, time's running out. And while they were gone, ready to buy, those that were not prepared, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready, they went in with him. And then here... They went to the marriage feast. Are we catching the picture? This is the fellowship that we have with God. This is the oneness that we can experience with him. 
And then it says, and the door was shut. So time is running out. We don't know how much we have. The scripture says our life is but a vapor. And so I don't know, when's Jesus coming back? Well, the scripture makes it clear. We don't know the time or the day, but a lot of people ask me, I think we're in the fourth quarter. Maybe we're in the final two minutes. Maybe it's like that game I was watching late last night, and it's the overtime period. All I know is this, is what this is saying is, don't wait. Faith is not transferable. Time is running out for you to make a decision. Why? Third truth. Because there's no second chances. And there's absolutely no second chances. I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, if you're sitting here, or maybe you're watching online, but the truth is there's no soul sleep. There's no reincarnation. There's no what people teach, annihilism, where you know, we just don't feel or think anything. No, that, that's not true. That's not what the scripture says. That's why it says afterward, the virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open it up to us. But he answered, he said, truly I say to you, and here's the five scariest words in the text. I do not know you. Let that sink in. They, they weren't prepared. And, and they missed out. And again, they thought they had it, but they didn't. And as I talk with you today, some of us think we got what we need and we've been kind of around people in the church and we've gone to church, and, but, but we don't really have what we need to experience the fullness of eternal life. That's the message. That's why we want to be kingdom builders. That's why we want to encourage. That's why we want to share truth with people and others. Hey, maybe your grandparents used to say it like this. They used to say, and maybe you've heard this before, they used to say, this was their line to people. They go visit the hospital. Have you made your peace with God? Anybody hear that? Have you made, and, and where they get that is Billy Graham wrote a book about that, and it's based upon Romans chapter five, and that's the truth. Have you made your peace with God? That's code language for, do you have the oil? Are you prepared for eternal life? Or maybe you ran into somebody at college, and uh, they were a navigator, or now they call it crew, and they're a little bit more bold, and they go straight from the juggler. And maybe you've heard somebody say, if you died tonight, do you know where you would spend eternity? How many have heard that question? And that's a good question. But again, what are they really saying? Hey, hey, hey do you know, like, like is, are you prepared? Is your lamp full? Do you got enough oil? Do you got the real thing? Is it really happening? I mean, those are all good questions. And the truth of the matter is, as a kingdom builder, if you say not, I, I don't know if my lamp's full. Like, you don't have to wrestle with that. You can know today. All you need to do is turn to him in repentance and faith and confess your sin and embrace the truth about who God is. And he wants to fill us. That's what he wants to do. And if you would answer that question, say, yeah, I know where I'm going. I'm pretty confident. And if that's you, then, then we need to be more confident and more helpful in helping other people prepare themselves for eternity. So that's what the series is about, and that's where we're headed. So let me get this next phrase, and the last phrase that we talk about is we want to remain faithful to the call. I mean, that's really the most important thing for a kingdom builder is we want to remain extremely faithful to what God has called us to do. 
So look at verse 13. It says, watch therefore, for you don't know the day of the hour. And so this is saying next time you hear some preacher say, I know when Jesus is coming back and they give you a day and an hour. They don't know. Nobody knows. Now we can understand certain things that are supposed to happen before, but we've got to always be ready. Just like these girls weren't ready. Some were, some were not. We need to be ready. If you look at this word watch and you double click here, there's a physical element to it where we need to stay awake, just like in the text. But there's also a spiritual element where we have to have our eyes wide open to the things that are happening around us as kingdom builders. We need to see God at work. We need to be watchful with thanksgiving and prayer and look for open opportunities and open doors for God to, to reveal himself and for us to be used to build his kingdom. So here's the major application for the message today. I want to give you the five calls of a kingdom builder. So these are the calls for us that we need to answer. And I believe these are the things that are going to help us to be prepared and to help others prepare. And so the first one is this, the call of salvation. And so that's in the story. It's the picture. Is your light burning? I mean, are you ready? Have you turned to Jesus in repentance and faith? It says in Matthew 11, we'll go right to Jesus' words. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. He says, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, and I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What I love the most about this is that Jesus just simply says this, come to me all. He's standing on the mountaintop, and he wants everyone, come on, I, I, come to me, everyone. It's a universal call, but not everybody responds. The second call is the call of sanctification. And so Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, Jesus says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so this is a picture of sanctification that what? That God wants to, he wants to burn away with the flame of the gospel, the impurities in your life. And, and he wants to purify you for his purposes and for his good. And so this is a picture of what we will be perfect for eternity in heaven with God, but each day that we're growing closer to him, calling all men right now. High Point Men is meeting tonight at 6.30 right here in Naperville. I hope you'll join me and Pastor Craig. We're going to be here, and the topic is fighting temptation battling temptation. We're going to talk about what it looks like to help protect us and burn away the impurities and not fall into the traps as men together. I hope that you will join us, please. If you're a man, come back tonight, hour and a half. It's going to be a great time for us as we've been called to sanctification and to holiness and to lead others. Third call, it's the call of surrender. And so we need to surrender ourselves so Jesus said it best. He said, therefore, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The Christian life as a kingdom builder is a life of surrender, that we need to continually give more and more of ourselves over to God as we prepare others for eternity. And then next, the call of submission. Jesus models this for us. He says, the text says about him after 
he fell on his face and he prayed in the garden. And he said, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And so Jesus is here in the garden. What's he doing? He's submitting himself to God. He, he's submitting himself to God's plan and God's purposes. And that's what you and I need to do. The Bible tells us to submit to God first and foremost. Then we're to submit to other people. I've heard it said that if you refuse to submit yourself to another person, then you'll never submit yourself to God, which I think is true. That we've got to learn what it means to submit ourselves to others as the Bible commands. The Bible also says that we're to submit ourselves to the governing officials and to the government. And as long as they don't tell us to do something that violates what God's word says, then, then we're to willingly place ourselves under. And so we've got an opportunity this week 22 years, I've never told anyone who to vote for, and I never will, because I'm not about politics. I'm about people. I'm not about building a house of stone. I'm talking about building a spiritual house. So I won't tell you who to vote for, but let me just say this. I remember when I first started to vote, the first few times that I did vote, I went into the polling places and into the booth, and I didn't have this. Do you know what I'm talking about? I didn't have a faith. I didn't, my lamp was not burning. I didn't have a biblical worldview. I went in relying upon not this book about myself and what I thought and what I thought was best. And, and so I've always said it like this through the years that, man, bring your Bible into the polling place, amen? That the biblical principles and your biblical worldview, and we gotta remember that as Christians, we gotta go in and we gotta vote with the Bible and a biblical worldview in mind. That's all we can do. And then the truth of the matter is, some of us, we think that, well, we think we're voting for somebody and they got this. Well, maybe they don't. Or maybe the truth of it is, maybe it's like they, 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 the, the fire was gone out and we thought they were somebody they weren't. Can I just tell you that, that we think we're doing this and Jesus is not Democrat or Republican, right? He, he's not. And Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. I, we can't guarantee what's going to happen with the people that we vote for and give to Biden what's Biden's. Jesus would say, give to Trump what's Trump's. It, it's important for us, but then what does the scripture say? The scripture says that the heart of the king is, is like a river in the hand of God and he parts it wherever he wants. So once we cast our vote, we do the best that we can and we vote for people that we think that can do the best job and then we've got to trust the Lord. We've got to have confidence in him that he's in control and we're not. So once they start tallying the election results Tuesday night and it goes through the night till Wednesday and then it goes to Thursday and then it goes to next month, possibly even three months and we still don't know. That's kind of what we're headed for. The truth of the matter is God's the one. And, and we got to trust that the biblical principles, man, Jesus is coming back and God is in control. And yes, let's exercise our right to vote in such a way that honors him. Clear? Lastly, I'm going to call the worship team forward. And in order for us to do this, I mean, we, we got to have our, you know, we can't leave. Oh, there we go. We, we're up again. And uh, we can't, we, we need the light 
to go. Man, this thing is burning, isn't it? Look at this thing. That is crazy, man. Come on, let's just see last service. Let's see how hot we can get it. It's gonna, the fire alarm's going to go off and stuff. It's just hilarious. I actually burned the Wheaton location down this morning. If you see that in the paper, it just, I got a little out of control. I've always had a little fascination with fire. But uh, anyways, okay, so this one, it's call a service. And so I want to burn it bright. You guys thought I was kidding around. And really, it's about this. And Jesus says, you are the light of the world. That's who we are. So we're the ones in the processional. Yeah, we got to be ready, but we've got to light other people too. And, and we got to, like, we live in a dark world. And we want to be the light of Christ. And we want to help other people to experience the fullness of God in this life. That's what kingdom builders do. So these are the calls of God. We are the light. We're not going to hide it and put it under a basket. Amen? That, that we want to be the people, the men and women of God who are called to these things. So I'm going to simply ask you, as Ethan leads us in this last song, can you all stand with me? And I want us to do this. I can't think of a better way for us to close this service if we want to be kingdom builders than let's pray for God to use us, for God to use our church to to help other people. So let's make this our prayer. Ethan's going to begin singing over us. And this is a time where let's just, I want to be the starter. I want to get you started in prayer, but I'm not going to say amen. I'm just going to start you. And then you just call out to the Lord and you pray to him. But let's use this as our prayer. God, help me. God, help us to to leverage our time as kingdom builders. God, we recognize that you are doing much in our world. And we want to get behind what you're doing as a kingdom builder. Father, help us to leverage our time to prepare others that we know and that we love. Maybe that's a friend. Maybe that's a person at work. Maybe that's a family member who's turned away from you, Lord, even a son or a daughter. Would you help us, Lord? Would you use us to to point them to you, to point them to Jesus, your son, who loves them and who's died for them? I pray that you'd help me, Lord, and Help us to share biblical truth in a way that that doesn't beat somebody over the head, Lord, but but that comes alongside of them and and helps them understand the truths of God's word. And Father, I ask that you would help us. We call out to you now that we would remain faithful to the call. The scripture says, call to me and I will answer. And God, you will show us great and mighty things. We call to you now.